So good to see you guys. My name is Roger Pate. I'm the lead pastor here at Exalt Church. And what that means is I'm a coach and a servant, and that's how we view our leadership team here. So our prayer is, is that, that we are a service to your lives. We're continuing our series on reclaiming our identity in Christ. So go ahead and reach in and grab out your outline with us and follow along with me today. I want to say I'm so glad to have you with us today. And as the clip just showed us of the Lion King, how many of you know that life has a way of punching holes in us? Life has a way of beating us up sometimes and trying to redefine us. And we start off in life coming out of high school and we have all of these dreams. Have you ever heard the valedictorian speeches? And you watch that they're going to change the world and they're going to do everything great. And life has a way of beating us up. And here's what happens. We begin to define ourselves by what we have, by what we don't have, by the title on our office door, or by the lack of having an office. And then others begin to, defi- def- de- begin to define us. And they say, you are successful if you drive that car. And you are successful if you live in this zip code, 90210. And you are successful if you live in this neighborhood. Or if you don't live in this neighborhood, you're not successful. Or if you don't drive that car, you're not successful. Everything around us. And everyone around us and every circumstance around us tries to put a label on us to define us. And we do it to ourselves as well. Sometimes we'll tell ourselves, that mall and that store is not for the likes of me. Or we'll say, I'm from the other side of the tracks and and they're from that side of the tracks. However, today I want you to step out of the circumstances around you for a moment. I want you to step out of the defining labels in your mind for a moment. I want you to step out of the circumstances in your life that try to bind you and and try to hold you captive to a label. I want you to step out for a moment of what others say about you. In fact, you've heard the story that God loves you and has a plan for your life. I like to change it up a little bit and say, God loves you and everyone else has a plan for your life. Isn't that true? Because if we don't know who we are, everything around us will begin to define us and tell us who we are. And they become identity thieves. Commercials become identity thieves. It says, unless you have this, you're not a success. And everything around us tries to define us. But I want to step out of that for a moment. And I want to go to the scriptures for a little while today. And I want to pull off the fake ID. The the fake ID. I want to pull off the fake identification. I, I want to throw light to the identity thieves and show you who you really are. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. It's in your outline. The Bible says these words. We are more than conquerors through Him. And that word conquerors is the same word that we get the word Nike from. Nike tennis shoes. It says you are a conqueror 
You are a winner in Him, by Him, through Him, because of Him, on account of Him. Now, here's the question today. I, I want to spend some time today. And I want to I kind of parse this out a little bit and answer the question, what does it mean to be in Christ? Now, here's what happens. I've been in church since I was eight years old. God saved me at eight years old in a family that didn't believe in God. God called me to be a preacher at the age of nine years old. I began to write sermons at age nine. Started traveling across the country at age 17, speaking in 300 services a year for 10 years. I've been an elder in a church. I've been a youth pastor. I've been a lead pastor. I've started churches. I've ruined churches. I've done it all. And so what happens is if I'm not careful, I forget that some of the terminology and the jargon I throw around that everybody knows. You ever talk to hockey lovers, they'll throw jargon out. If you don't know what hockey's about, you're going, what in the world are you talking about? If you talk to a geek about computers, they'll start talking about a terabyte and a gigabyte and a termite and all of these bytes. And you're going, what are you talking about? And it happens in churches. And so last week I did this. I was preaching up a, stone, a storm. I haven't been preaching for about four weeks. I was wound up. I told you to put your, 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 your seatbelt on. I was so wound up. In the middle of my sermon, I threw out this phrase, jot and tittle. I got done preaching and, and Tony Klepper came up to me. He was teasing me. He goes, what is a jot and a tittle? Of course, he and I have both been to seminary. We were good Hebrew students. We knew what a jot and a tittle was, but everyone else is going, what in the world is that? Well, a jot and a tittle is basically the way we describe the smallest letter or the smallest punctuation in the Greek and Hebrew alphabets. That's what it is. But here's my point. I threw out jot and tittle. Most people didn't care but after Tony was teasing me about that, because I love to tease Tony and he loves to tease me, he's teasing me about it. I was writing the sermon last Monday and I looked at the title of the message, Fake ID, Reclaiming Your Identity in Christ. And so last week I was talking about your identity in Christ. And it hit me while I was preparing the sermon, the message, I thought, wait a minute. I haven't even put the pause button on to tell people what the in Christ means. So I want to go back and I want to rewind for just a moment. And I want to spend the entire message today talking about what the in Christ means. And then we'll pick it up next week, the next two weeks, and wrap up the series about the benefits. So what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, I, I want to give you several examples. And I want to give you examples of the same thing because as adult learners, we all look at things differently. And I'm hoping that one of these examples hits you and something resonates in you and you go, yes! That's what it means to be in Christ. That's what it means to have my identity in Him. And so the first illustration I want to give you is, I want to go back to the very oldest part of the Bible, to a story 
called David and Goliath. And those that know the story, you know the story, some of you may not know, it's about a boy who with a slingshot kills this giant. And God uses him to be a great conqueror. And so David, with one stone and a twirl from his sling, hits the giant in the head and kills him. But what does that have to do with being in Christ? Back in the time of David and Goliath, nations went to war like we often go to war today. And great casualties are brought and many people die. But at this time, they decided there's a way that we can actually have a war without everyone going to war and everyone dying. And so nations would often pick a mediator. They would pick a champion. And they would say, we're going to have these two champions fight. And if your champion wins, then you've won the war. And if our champion wins, we win the war. And so if our champion's victorious, it's our victory. But if your champion loses, you lose. What a great idea to save a lot of bloodshed. And so basically what would happen? Goliath walked out and he was this huge giant of a man. And he had killed a lot of people. And he represented the Philistines. And David walks out, and he is just a boy. Could you imagine, here you are, trying to find a champion, trying to find a representative that would go and fight this big giant, and you're trying to find someone, and none of your warriors will do it. And some little pre-teen says, I'll do it. Pre-puberty guy. I'll go and do it. Pimply face guy. Oily skin goes out. I'll fight Goliath. And you're going, what are you going to do? And you realize that as this boy walks out there, if he loses the battle, your nation loses. If he loses this fight, we all go into captivity. And so you're watching, biting your nails. Some of you are excited, some of you are afraid as this boy walks out to fight this giant. Here's the point. David was more than a boy. He was a nation. He was a representative. I'll I'll go there. He was a contract representative. So if he won, we won. If he lost, we lost. If he was beheaded, we're beheaded. If he is conquered, we're conquered. If he is smashed down and broken, we are smashed down and broken. Why? Because the nation is in him. Are you seeing this? He is a representative of something larger and bigger than himself. And so when the little boy walks out, the teenager walks out before the Goliath, the giant, and the giant curses him and says, I'm going to rip off your head. I am going to feed your body to the birds of the air. I am going to destroy you. Goliath wasn't cursing a boy. He was cursing a nation. And he was saying, I am going to destroy this nation. 
I'm going to beat this nation. I am going to feed this nation to the birds. I am going to conquer you. I am going to beat you. If David won, the nation won. If David lost, the nation lost. The win of the champion, the victory of the champion, becomes the victory of the people. Why? Because the people of Israel were in him. Illustration one. Illustration number two. Let's bring it down to a cultural example of today, of an ambassador. Think about it for a moment. Nations have ambassadors. Not, not, when we go into a meeting, not all of us go to a meeting with a foreign power, but we have an ambassador, and the ambassador goes as our government and national representative. Hang with me here. We're going somewhere, so it'll change your life if you hang with me here. And the ambassador and the representative will go before a nation, and as he sits before a dictator, it doesn't matter if the ambassador is bald it doesn't matter if the ambassador is four foot two. It doesn't matter if the ambassador is in a wheelchair. It doesn't matter if the ambassador is a great athlete or a nerd. When that ambassador goes into a meeting and he declares war, you can ignore the ambassador, but if you ignore the ambassador, you ignore the very nation he represents. Why? A nation is in him. When the bifocal ambassador rejects a treaty, it's not the bifocal ambassador rejecting a treaty. It is a nation that's in him that rejects it. When ambassador says, get out of this country or we declare war upon you, it's not the six-foot-one model-esque ambassador who is the one speaking. It is the nation speaking through the ambassador. Do not mistake the power of the ambassador based upon his size, based upon her size, based upon her intellect, based upon his intellect. To ignore him or to rebuke him or to treat that ambassador poorly is not to treat his person poorly, to treat a nation poorly. Why? A nation is in him. Pastor, what are you talking about? We're talking about being in Christ. We're going somewhere here today. Let me give you another illustration. Some of you are more visual, and this is not in your notes, but I have an envelope here. And enveloped inside of it is this. Christ followers, believers, you, us, me. And the envelope says, being in Christ. And when I take what is this, you, us, me, believers, Christ followers, and I put you inside of Christ, whatever I do to this envelope, I do to what's inside of it. So if I take this envelope and I raise it to the heavens, what's inside it? has been raised to the heavens. If I lower it down, what inside it is lowered down. If I slap it and kick it and hit it, and if I jump up and down on it, what is on the inside 
I have kicked, I have slapped, I have jumped on. If I have received it with joy, what is on the inside I have received with joy? Let me be very clear. When you became a Christ follower, you were placed inside of Christ. And that means when he was upon the cross and he was judged and God's wrath and anger was poured upon him, the wrath and anger of God was poured upon you because you're in him. When God turned his back upon Jesus and did not look upon him because of the sin upon him, God turned his back upon you. Why is this important? Because Jesus Christ, in your place, took the punishment for sin, took the anger of God in your place. He walked out there upon that battlefield, and you may have dismissed him as just a Jew. You may have just dismissed him as just a carpenter, the son of some woman who claims God gave birth, he gave birth to God's kid. But when he walked out on the scene that day and he died upon the cross, he became our champion, became our ambassador, became our conqueror, and everyone that believes upon him identifies with his death and says, what he did there, he did for me. Are you getting this? So when he died, you died. And when he rose from the dead, you rose with him. Do you hear that? Now, that will become a reality at some point that this physical body will be resurrected. But right now, in the position, right now, because he rose, I have rose. And because he sits at the right hand of God the Father, we sit at the right hand of God the Father. Why? Because he is our ambassador. He is our champion. He is our representative. We are in him. Now, this blows our minds because we are from the Western world. We value our independence. We value individualism. I was taught by my father that whatever I set my mind to do, I can do it. He lied. Because I tried it. I jumped off garages and tried to fly like a bird. I've got scars to prove it. I was taught by my father, whatever you set your mind to do, you can do. And me and those pep talks came after I struck out playing baseball. He would say, next time it's a home run. Put your mind to it. We've been taught to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. And I'm here to tell you, friends, this. That on our own, we can't change our destiny. On our own, we can't make peace with God. But there is one who did. His name is Christ. And when you put your faith in Him, when you put your life in Him, when you hide yourself in Him, and you can no longer see yourself except through being in Him, 
That's where he wants us to be. Oh, Roger, you're, you're a little deep. Let me give you two more illustrations. I am wearing a shirt, and to Laura's chagrin, I'm going to unbutton the shirt. Have you seen that commercial where the girl's on a first date, and she says, you look, what is it? You have the you, the you shirt. I have the you shirt going on today. But here I am outside of the shirt. If I'm outside this shirt and you shoot it, nothing happens to me. It's the shirt. You can slap this shirt. It doesn't affect me at all. But if I put this shirt on and you spill water on this shirt, you've spilled water on me. If you hit this shirt, you're hitting me. If you kick this shirt, you've kicked me. Why? Because I am identified. I'm in the shirt. All right, the best illustration I can give you and I've saved the best for last. Look at this verse one more time. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. Because you're going to get this, guys, before we go on. We are more than. If you have your outline, circle the word more than. We are more than conquerors through Him. Circle more and then underline through him, Israel won the victory through David. The nation declared war through the ambassador. The letter was delivered through and in and by the envelope. My body was made wet from the spilt coffee on my shirt. And here is the best illustration I can give you. There was a boxer. Go back to our illustrations here. There was a boxer, and he prepared for the championship battle. It was epic, it was in Las Vegas. It was televised through every satellite dish throughout the world. Fans all over the world was watching the boxer. But before the boxer stepped in that ring, you know what he did? He jumped rope. You know what he did? He lifted weights. You know what he did? He punched the bag, left, left, jab, uppercut, right hook, dodge, all of those things. Any boxing fans here? And he prepared for that. He prepared until he was short-winded, jumping rope until he couldn't breathe, until sweat just runs down his body, morning in the gym, running around the block and preparing to fight. Morning after morning, he went through all of this work, getting ready to step in the ring. And the day came, and the boxer steps into the ring. He has prepared. He has worked. He has kept the faith. He has built the muscles. He has increased his stamina. He's ready to fight. 
And he gets in that ring and he is hit. And he hits back and he is pummeled and he pummels back and he's hit in the stomach and he's hit in the face and his eye is bruised and his lip is bloodied and he hits and he fights until finally after round after round after grueling round, he gets that moment and he gives an uppercut and he knocks out his opponent and the referee counts to ten. And the referee showing who is the champion takes his hand and raises it before the world and says he is the champion, he has won. And the the crowd goes crazy because this boxer has won the championship round. He has won. And they give him a gold belt that says world champion. And they bring one of those large checks. You've seen them? You've seen them on Lotto America, right? But they bring this large check, $2.5 million. He's a conqueror. He's a champion. He has worked for this. He has prepared for this. He has fought for this. This has been his day. He took the blows. He gave the punches. He jumped the rope. He sweat the sweat. He bled the blood. His body bruised. And sitting there in the audience is his beautiful wife. And through a blackened eye, he says, come. And she comes with tears and laughter mixed together and she hugs him and she rejoices. And this champion takes this multi-million dollar check. And what does he do? He gives it to her. Did you just catch that? He is the champion. He jumped the rope. He ran the miles. He threw the punches. He took the punches. He gave the knockout. He won the battle. And while he is fighting and jabbing and moving and hitting and preparing, she sat on the front row cheering him on, believing in him, hoping in him. He's the champion. He's the conqueror. She got the check. She's more than a conqueror. Oh, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. She did not jump rope. She wasn't at the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning. She wasn't throwing punches. She wasn't dodging punches. She wasn't throwing uppercuts. She wasn't throwing right jabs. She wasn't doing any of that. He did it. He prepared it. He lived the disciplined life. He lived the perfect life. He lived the holy life. And he stepped in that ring and they crucified him. And they beat him and he sweat and he bled. 
And at the right moment, he threw that uppercut. And he knocked out sin. He knocked out death. He knocked out Satan. And he became the champion. Hallelujah. And he looks over at you. He looks over at me. And we squeam and we squirm while he was taking the beating. But he looks at us and says, what I have bought, what I have secured, I am the victor, but I give it to you. You are more than a conqueror. I give it to you. Why? Because you and I are in relationship. But I did nothing. I did it. But I threw no punches. I did it. But I took no beating. I did did. But no one spit upon me. I took the spit. But God didn't judge me. I took the judgment. But God's not angry at me. I took his anger. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. He was in the gym. And then he gave his life and he conquered and because he has conquered, because I believe in him, hope in him, trust in him, I have life everlasting. Hallelujah. It's from the place of rest. It's from the place of rest that we sit there and we rest in what we call Oftentimes, the finished work of Christ. What is the finished work of Christ? It's when Jesus Christ came, living the perfect life, the life that you and I could not do. Living the life as your ambassador, living the life as your David, living your life as that envelope, living the life as this shirt, whatever analogy helps you. And we put our hope and say, I could not win it, but he did. And when I stand before God one day, and if God, I don't know if he will ask me or not, but if he were to ever ask me, why should I let you into my heaven? The first thing out of my mouth will not be because I was born in Kansas. The first thing out of my mouth will not be because I preached in 30-some states and 25 denominations. It won't be because I'm a pastor. It won't be because I was baptized at 12 years old. It won't be because of this or that or because I was sprinkled or because I'm a Baptist or a charismatic or a Presbyterian or a Catholic. It will be none of that. God were to ever ask you, why should I let you into the joys of my heaven? Here's the answer. Because of what Jesus Christ did, his finished work. He died in my place, rose in my place. That's why baptism, it's such a beautiful illustration because it talks about us being buried in him and risen with him. It illustrates that his death became my death and his resurrection becomes my resurrection. 
now that we've covered what it's in, what it means to be in Christ, pull out your outline. I have given you only 35 benefits that the Scripture talks about what you get from being in Christ. When I use the word in Christ, I could also, in many places, substitute the word by Christ, or through Christ, or because of Christ. Think about that for a moment. In Him, by Him, through Him, because of Him, on account of Him. I've only given you 35 blessings. There are a bunch more, and some of these are repeated numerous times. But I want to jump to number 10. Look at number 10. When Paul writes to church at Ephesus, he says this. He says, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. What does that mean? Through Christ, by Christ, on account of Christ, I have received these blessings that I don't deserve, that I did not do, and yet I get them. It's the inheritance. Pastors that like the lottery, no, you bought the ticket. It's like an inheritance. When grandpa did all of the work and grandpa did all of the savings. And grandpa worked under the sun. And he didn't buy the brand new truck. He bought the used one. And he puts the money back. And one day when he dies, you become the beneficiary of it. And you're going, I did not do this. I don't deserve this. No, you don't. No, I don't. No, we don't. But he's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. What are those blessings? And he, he starts enlisting them. I'm going to give you a few. Number 11, we have been chosen. Because of Jesus, God has picked you. Because of Jesus, God has chosen you. Because of Jesus, God says, I want you. He wants me. Do you know what I did? Do you know what I said? Do you know what Jesus did? Do you know what Jesus said? Wow. Twelve, we have been made holy in Christ. You're no longer a wretch and a worm walking around saying, I'm just a wretch, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a worm, I'm just horrible, I'm just bad. You know what I don't like about that language? Here's what happens. Our prayers begin to become self-centered because our prayers become, oh, I'm horrible, I'm bad, I'm evil, I'm not good, I'm not worthy. But when you when you realize what he has done and he has made you holy, he's made you pure, your head raises, your eyes sparkle, and you point your finger to God or raise your hand and you simply say, thank you, God. You are good and you're gracious and you're kind and you're merciful and you're wonderful and your everlasting love never ceases to amaze me. It goes from me, me, me to you, you, you. I know I'm preaching on a summer afternoon, and maybe I should be a little bit more calm, but guys, if you get this, it'll change your life. Look, in Christ, number 13, you've been made blameless. Blameless. I love what the Apostle Paul writes. He wrote this years ago, and he, said, he says, 
I have wronged no one. Have you ever read the story of the Apostle Paul? He put people in jail. He put people in prison. It looks like he helped stone Stephen, the first martyr that we have recorded. And Paul says, I've wronged nobody. Wait a minute. I know your story. Was he saying, because of Christ and what he has done, I have been made blameless. What is the spiritual blessing? We've been adopted. We're no longer orphans. But he adopts us and makes us his daughter, makes us his son, makes us his children. And I understand, it's my understanding when I go back and study some of the Roman literature, that once you adopt a child in that culture, you could not disown them. Wow. He has adopted you, and he will not disown you. We'll talk about that more next week. We have been made accepted. We spoke about that last week, but let me hit it again. In Christ, you are accepted. You're not rejected. Have you ever watched children play? Children can be some of the most loving, and they can be little agents of sanctification too, can't they be? I mean, they'll make you pray. They'll make you talk to God. But have you noticed sometimes how it is? I mean, how they will accept people in their group and sometimes they won't. Adults were the same way. If you drive that car, you're in my group. You've lived in that community in my group. If you don't, you're not. But because of Christ Jesus and what he's done upon the cross, the Father says, I accept you. Your behavior may have been unacceptable. And your attitude may have been unacceptable. And what you've done in and of yourself isn't right. But when you put your faith, hope, confidence, trust, and life in Jesus Christ, He makes you accepted in Him. Because the Father has not turned away the Son. He has received Him. Number 16, we're almost done. We have the forgiveness of sins. And when I say forgiven, I mean it's paid in full. It is forgiven. Number 17, in Christ, we have been ransomed from the bondage of sin. Go home this afternoon and read Ephesians chapter 1. You'll see all of these in Ephesians chapter 1. We have been ransomed from the bondage of sin because of Jesus. We're no longer slaves of sin. Listen carefully. Because of Jesus, you do not have to be bound by your addiction. Because of Jesus, you don't have to be bound by your destructive way of thinking. Because of Jesus, you don't have to be bound by the habits that have continually tripped you up and entangled you. Because of Jesus, we have been ransomed. We have been made free. We have been bought out of the hopelessness and the bondage of sin. 
There are people here right now that were bound up by different drugs and different things throughout their lives. And Jesus Christ came in and set them free. What caused that? It was the Lord Jesus Christ's life emanating through them and setting them free. 18. In Christ, by Christ, through Christ, on account of Christ, we are chosen. And take this one home with you today. 19. Ephesians 1 and 12 says, we bring honor to God because of Christ. Because he won, you have won. And we bring honor to Christ. Why? Because we are in Him. You see it? He's the ambassador. He's the representative. He is the giant slayer. He is the envelope. He is the shirt. He is the boxer. And everything He has done, He has done with us in him. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you will. Tony, if you and your team will come up quietly. Go ahead and come up, guys. Did you guys learn something today? Were you stretched today? Were you stretched today? Hopefully you were. Aren't you glad that Tony teased me about the jot and the tittle a little bit? In Christ, reclaiming our identity in Christ. I would fail to be a good pastor if I did not go here. And that is this. The reason... Mrs. Boxer got the check was because she was in relationship with the boxer. Not every woman in the crowd got that check. She was in. Not everything, it's only what is in this envelope that I can deliver to Laura right now. There is paper outside the envelope. And if I raise this, if I lower this, if I move this, if I curse this, if I receive this, it has nothing to do with this over here. You've got to be in relationship. Are you with me? When the ambassador speaks, he doesn't speak for every nation. He only speaks for the nation that is in relationship with him. Christian, God's judgment has been fulfilled upon the cross for you. He took the anger, the wrath, and the rejection of God for you. And when you believe in him, you stand with your head raised, shocked at the blessing you got. You did not throw the punch. You just received it. 
Listen carefully, however. And this is going to sound very blunt, but I want to be a good pastor, but I didn't tell you. There still awaits a time for those who do not put their faith and hope and confidence in Christ that they will still receive that judgment. Here is your choice. Believe in Him and receive the gift of life. Or get in the ring yourself and be beaten and bruised and bloody and lose. He says, this day before you is life and death, choose. I'm not going to guilt you into it. I'm not going to beg you into it. I present that for you, however, to say, Jesus Christ, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't win the battle, but I put my hope in you. Because it was up to me, I would stand before the Father one day and when I said, I have done this and 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 this, it wouldn't satisfy. I'm unable to fix it. But my Savior did. Is that clear? Father, I pray today that within the sound of my voice that everyone here would come to put their hope, their faith, their confidence, their joy in you. And I pray, Lord, for those who've already done that, will you pull the veil off their eyes and see the beautiful life they have in you, that you're not angry with them, that you're not mad at them, that you're not to, out to get them, but you have adopted them as children and you love them abundantly. You are a conqueror, Jesus. And you have made us more than jazz conquerors. In Jesus' name, amen. Raise your hands like this for just a moment. I'm going to pronounce a blessing over you from the scriptures, believer, and then I'm going to turn it to, to, to Laura. Are you ready? You are chosen. You are holy. You are made blameless. You are accepted. Your sins are forgiven. You bring honor to God. You are light. You are salt. You have faith. You have hope. You have love. You have become holy and faithful, fully mature. And you have the promise of everlasting life in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen and amen.